Now, because of this COVID season, uh, we come directly to uh, tonight's Christmas homily. If you would, please open up with me in Matthew, uh, to Matthew chapter 2. While you're opening there, never fear, as you have looked at your bulletin, I hope you've seen that there are carols to be sung. But uh, before we get there, if you would, please open up with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Now, as we're all getting there, this is the culmination. Uh, this is where we've been this Advent season. This is uh, uh, the Matthew kind of starting at chapter 1, verse 16, and we've walked all the way through now chapter 2 to the end, verses 19 through 23. We've seen what the Apostle Matthew was desirous for us to see at the birth, at the uh, at the coming of the Lord Jesus. And so as we come tonight and as I was praying through just what the Lord might have for us out of these verses here, something became apparent. Uh, something that I've already mentioned once, but that everybody's thinking, or at least I hope they are, uh, things are a little different. COVID is among us. Everybody gets nervous to say it, COVID-19, but we don't need to be nervous. It's around. It's okay. Uh, we need to be safe and we need to be appropriate, uh, but the Lord is in control. And the Lord has done something in this last year that we should not look over. In fact, I think that it would be inappropriate for us to do so. And so as we come to this text, as God would have it, he has something for us speaking on this last year. I pray that we indeed would be encouraged and that we would find ourselves in a place of hope and peace as we leave this place. Uh, not just from ourselves, because we patted ourselves on the back or something like that. Uh, that doesn't get us very far, maybe a couple steps. But God's word gets us many steps further, all the way to eternity, in fact. And so, as we come to God's word tonight, let us pray before we read such important words. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you that you've given us a word in season, that you haven't left us alone in the dark. But we've lit in a candle that shows that you are the light of the world. We see that Jesus is indeed the light. We know that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We see these things. And so God, help us tonight by your Holy Spirit, to leave with the lamp in hand, as it were. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 19. If you were looking for the main point, I would say that it is this. God is working. God is working. Let's read, starting at verse 19 of chapter 2 of the Gospel of Matthew. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Remember that main point? Pretty simple. God is working. We see it. 
I think, in four different ways from this Bible passage before us on this Christmas Eve. Four points. God is working in time, in homecomings, through change, and with purpose. Time, homecoming, change, and purpose. We'll see them as we dive in. First, God is working in your life right now in time. Verse 19. You know, sometimes we don't do enough justice to the time lapses of Scripture. It's easy to do. Reading a narrative by its very nature puts you in the moment. Whatever moment that might be where you're reading. For example, a fun and somewhat scary spiritual exercise is to take God's word and play the time game. In other words, would you make it 40 years in the wilderness if we started now? Or would you be the generation that passes on? Everybody looks to the Apostle Paul's ministry of church planning in the book of Acts that Luke wrote. But how many years in the book of Acts did Paul spend in prison? And how many letters did he write that were recorded and held here in the Holy Scriptures? It's a long time. A long time. Do you remember how long the Babylonian exile was? Seventy years. Maybe your life would have been spent in the exile. Perhaps my children, Carwin, Mary Emmeline, Isaac, right? maybe they, in their old age, if the Lord would have seen fit, could say, I think it's time for us to come out of exile. But we, as a congregation, the majority of us, would be spent there. The time game. It is a good spiritual exercise to do, but it can be a little bit sobering. When you start to look at it, time really matters. What you are experiencing now will not be what others experience five years from now, but they will experience something that you haven't. God is working, and he's working in time. This is an obvious statement, and it's seen clearly in our text tonight in verse 19. God told Joseph through a dream to go to Egypt and hide until King Herod died. Joseph listened and then waited in Egypt. And now, in time, God is working. The thing that we forget is the time lapse. There is some indefinite amount of time, generally thought to be around a couple of years, but maybe more, maybe less, where life happens but nothing is recorded. Let me say that again. Life happens, but nothing is recorded. This Christmas, we must not forget the time lapse. COVID-19, it's not over, and it's been going on for quite a while now, but God is working in time, which should draw our hearts and minds to hope and patience in the Lord, even if it's not a recordable moment, or even if it is, God is working in time. Second, notice the homecoming, verses 20 and 21. Waiting, waiting, waiting. 
Joseph and Mary, with the young child Jesus in tow, were waiting to go home. The reason they went to Egypt was to literally wait to go home. They were waiting for the homecoming. This Christmas is a little different. In all likelihood, it's probably for you, just like it is for me, a little quieter, a little more reserved. And it's a strong reminder that we are waiting on the homecoming. My prayer is that next Christmas will be like so many before, where families pack through the doors of their homes, even gathering up the third, fourth, and fifth cousins, right? Maybe y'all aren't like us, but maybe you are. Where you like, who are these people? I think we're related, right? The fifth cousins for a celebration like no other. But that's not the homecoming I'm talking about here. Let's be careful. I'm talking about the constant reminder in Scripture that God is working that we might come home to a heavenly place. Of course Joseph and Mary wanted to come home to Israel. But the corruption and sin and sickness and sufferings still remained. This is why their boy Jesus, why the Son of God, entered into the world in the first place. To remedy such things. To bring his people home. It will be a homecoming like no other. When we walk through those heavenly gates together. On this quieter, more reserved Christmas, I would encourage you, dear Christians, to think big. Recognize that God is working towards a grand homecoming that you will be a part of through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where all sicknesses, including COVID, will be removed. All tears, pain, suffering, every bad and terrible thing gone. God is working. But we are certainly still in the in-between. Even as we long for that great homecoming, we will be with Joseph and Mary celebrating our little homecomings as time passes on. But as time passes, we must remember our third point, that God is working in the change because things certainly change. Verse 22. Have you caught yourself saying it yet? I've heard it a lot from many of our members, my own self included. I just want it to be like it was. I just want it to be like it was. I'm getting tired of this stuff, right? And maybe you're, you're guilty of saying it. Maybe, maybe you hear others say it. I just want it to be like it was. Maybe that's what Joseph and Mary thought on their way back home. Finally, finally, things are going to get back to normal. I just want it to be like it was, right? Pastor Juan Carlos Bonilla, he came and he preached for us this fall. He's a missionary from Spain, if you recall him. He would say that Spanish is the heavenly language, and he, he kind of became ordinary and spoke a little bit of English for us. He's a great family friend. He is a father in the faith to me. He taught me what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus, what it means to share and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Juan Carlos, he said something that stuck in my mind when he was preaching. 
He was talking about people using the phrase new normal. This is our new normal, y'all, right? Maybe y'all have heard that. Maybe you've said it. This is our new normal. And he disagreed with it. He said, no, I don't like that. He proposed what he felt like was a more appropriate alternative, the next normal. Instead of new normal, he said, no, this is our next normal. We as individuals get stuck in time. Forget about change and then get highly disappointed when homecomings are not exactly the same, which they never are. Radio stations help us fall into this trap. I'm about to date some of y'all, including myself. My apologies. What music station do you listen to? Do you listen to that old hymn station or the new contemporary Christian one? Maybe you just listen to the oldies station. But what is the oldies now? Have you thought about it in a while? What is the oldies station on the radio? Depending on who you ask, it'll be 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or 2000s music. Ask a teenager what they think oldies music is. It'll probably differ from your definition. We get stuck in time, but there is always a next normal. So when Joseph and Mary come back to Judea, things had changed, and Galilee became the next normal for their family. Don't you see it? They were coming home, finally. Things are going to be back to normal, but not really. We've got to sell the homestead and we've got to go somewhere else. We're back home, but things have changed. Things are different. For you who believe in Jesus, think about your own hearts, where you came from, what you did, and who you are now. What has God done for you? And what I mean by that is how has God changed you? There is a reality that plays out in our lives where when we see material things, we begin to grab and hold on to and fasten in and say, no, I want this to be as it always has been. But we don't do that with our souls, do we? As we profess and believe in the Lord Jesus, we praise God as we look back over the years of our lives and see where we have come from out of the deep and dark sins of our own heart. And we recognize that we have been able to conquer such things, not by our own righteousness, not by our own power, not by our own strength, but how? By the Holy Spirit, through the conquering work of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf, as God the Father bestows great blessing upon us. We are changed from sinners to saints by Jesus and his work. We praise it and we thank God for it. But then when we translate back into the material world, we fall into old practices 
desperately desiring our oldies station to be the oldies station, right? Or better yet, let's take away that word, right? Let's make it the one, right? Just the station. This is the music, right? Surely y'all know what I'm talking about. Maybe not. Uh, this is how God works. He works in change. I have been saying this to the leadership at Centennial for some time. And so they will hear it once again and will roll their eyes because they have heard it every month since this thing has started, multiple times a month. But it's time for me to say it to us, a Centennial family, even on Christmas Eve, as we look to the Lord Jesus and we desperately claw for hope and for joy. If we are not different post-COVID, if we do not change as a people from less righteous to more righteous, from more focused on ourselves to more focused on those that are around us, from more focused on ourselves to more focused on God. As you define and parse out whatever that change is, if we are not ones who have changed in this time, then I believe that we have squandered the greatest opportunity that God has given us in some time. Don't hear me wrong. I do not praise a, 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 a God for sending a virus that has killed so many. I praise God for sending a virus that has woken us up for the first time, perhaps, in years, even on a Christmas Eve, as we think on these things. God is working in change. Should we really squander the things that we have doubled down on? God's word, God's work, God's people. No, we should not. We should keep growing towards the biblical picture that we see as people are really suffering around us. And we have such great opportunity to go out and do what needs to be done. In time, there will be a homecoming, but we not, must not forget about that God-given good change, even through the super intense, difficult times of our age, not just our lives. All of this, time, homecoming, and change, point to the bigger picture, that God's work has purpose. Verse 23, and we see it in our text, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. What prophecy is Matthew referencing here? And how does it fit into God's purpose? More than that, how does it translate for us as we think about God's word? The astute Bible student would tell you, perhaps, that no prophecy in the Old Testament references the word Nazarene. So what in the world is, go is going on? My old seminary professor, he says it quite well, the commentary that he wrote on this book of Matthew, this Gospel of Matthew. He says, though the Old Testament never uses the word Nazarene, it does tell us that Jesus will be one who fits that description as it was understood by Matthew and his readers. John 1, verse 46, Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Answer, no. 
right? That's what he was saying. John chapter 7, verse 52. Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. But then we look back in, the, in God's word to Isaiah chapter 53, just two verses, two and three. He grew up, this is referencing the Lord Jesus. He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Here is verse 23, again, with a little bit of commentary. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, which is a place of no repute. Nobody goes there. Everybody hates it. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene, a nobody, a nobody. That's what he would be called, a nobody. But this nobody from nowhere came with purpose. God took on flesh. Jesus came in time that we might have a heavenly homecoming because of the change wrought in us from disbelief to belief. This is the purpose of Jesus' incarnation, his birth. It's why we rejoice because God is working. Dear Christians, God is working in time. Don't think this season has been wasted by God. God is working in the homecomings. Don't think this season hasn't drawn our eyes more toward Jesus and woken us up when they aren't looking that way. God is working through the change. Don't think this season isn't being used as a refiner's fire for us all that we might come out the other side more pure. God's work has purpose. Jesus has come and we celebrate. We celebrate with God-given hope, peace, love, and joy all through Jesus Christ. Our God, our King, our Savior, who was born this night. God is working. Take hope, take peace, and rejoice. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for such good news that you are working. That you tell us that and reveal that to us in your word. Even in a word where we see that even our Lord and Savior was seen as a nobody, why in the world would we be any different? And so God, as we gather as we can this Christmas, as we are with our loved ones, as we mourn those that we cannot be with, as we double down on your word and on your people and on the work that you have for us, as we look with hope to homecomings to come, as we look with hope as sojourners in this land to that great heavenly homecoming, as we look to see what you are doing, God, give us this firm understanding that you are working. This Christmas, help us to know that you have given us the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, and because of that, everything has changed. And so we sing, and we sing 
loudly your praises. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.